You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 241 of the Black Eagles podcast. And I am your host, Sinan Swarting. That's right. Give me a round of applause. <laughs> uh, back live from New York City. Where, uh, yeah, you know, pleasant evening weather-wise. Bit of rain to break that crazy heat, uh, but it's done so successfully. Things are, are, are sort of calming down a little early. You know, it's not even September yet, but yeah, things have been, you know, not like the crazy summer. I know a lot of folks out in Europe have had it pretty hard this summer, um, and probably in Turkey and in, in other places, right? Like right now in China, there's a huge issue with the heat. But not so bad here so far. <laughs> this is a long-winded weather metaphor. Anyway, just as the weather has been fairly pleasant suddenly, but the rain, the, the, the crisis breaking, things have uh, been good for Besiktas. Suddenly. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, well, brace yourselves, folks. Um, of course, boy, where do I even begin? Uh, we have so much to discuss. And first, let's talk about some rumors. There are some really fun ones uh, to talk about. And, we'll, and I'll get into that, I think, to begin the episode with. And then, of course, we're going to talk about a, a, a little bit of a match, our third of the season against Fatih Karagumruk. So let's get it going. Operation is in effect as of right now. Yes, sir. So, first of all, um, the match against Fatih Karagumruk would be, as I said, our third, and we have gone one, one, and oh. Um, our, our win and a draw, and our first two, of course, for anyone who's forgotten. An unfortunate draw in our last one. But so we were obviously hoping to, to, to bounce back. Fatih Karagumruk was in a t- sort of interesting situation. They got the, a bye week in their second week of the season, which is a bit rough, to be honest, especially for a, a new coach. Team looking to find its identity early on. Had a rough outing against Alanya Spor in their first match of the season, losing four to two. But so that aside, and before we even get into you know, head-to-heads and lineups and all that, in the build-up to this match, the big issue that we faced, and this really bit us in the butts, right, in that second match especially was a lack of depth, especially in the center of our midfield, right? We're playing with three guys now, having moved away from the, the, the three-man back line, at least temporarily, until, you know, the staff is available. We need a central back that we can rely on if we're gonna do that. But so, what all of it amounted to, what it has sort of 
rounded out as is that we currently have, of course, Jedson, who is our sort of marquee, one of our marquee signings initially, right before before that late burst going into the training camp, that first training camp. Uh, but so Jedson, of course, is an important piece of that midfield. Sally Uchan is a guy who had played fairly well all preseason and brought that form into the regular season, it seemed. I won't spoil anything uh, about this match. <coughs> and then next to them was the sort of question mark. Where do they go with that, right? It's the, the Joseph position, and you had the obvious Joseph being out and then Atiba being out as well. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with Berkai Vardar, in this case. Uh, or potentially Kartal, Kaida, Yilmaz. Although I think most would agree he would probably be best served as an 8 rather than a 6. So, what do we do? Actually, a lot of people have been hoping he'd play in a 6 rather than an 8. I mean, you know, it. Whatever, whatever right? At the end of the day, Kartal, Kaida, Yilmaz, and Berkai Vardar are fairly raw prospects. Um, maybe, maybe not ready for this level. Haven't shown quite enough for us to say that they definitely are, or that they even definitely need to be like relied on as such. So even with Joseph back, we still have some question marks, right? Atiba being the sort of, uh, you know, old hat if you will, the, uh, the the steady hand. Can't necessarily rely on him where he is in his career, and I don't think he wants to overexert himself and put himself at risk of not playing in his World Cup, which is for him, I think, a kind of career event, right? So, you know, we need at least one, maybe two central midfielders, at least in the, in the meantime, depending on the status of Atiba, right? We haven't really heard much about his injury. And Joseph, right? We know he's back in training now, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need to, we need to throw him out there and risk re-injuring him for a longer period of time. Especially given the fact that, you know, he's really the, the guy we need. We're not gonna get another defensive-minded midfielder. You can maybe slot Jetson in there against weaker sides you know, in their, with their attacking abilities. But, you know, for the for the major games, you know, for the matches against rivals, derbies, and the like, we're gonna need a guy like Joseph manning that back line, or, or manning the back of our midfield brother, <clears throat> you know, sort of potentially sliding into the defense and giving support. So, as such, you know, we need depth in the other areas of the field, right? Berkai Vardar could theoretically be his backup and, and maybe Karatal Kaira Yilmaz or some variation where we sort of change things tactically if, if, if he needs to play, you know, whatever that scenario is. What it means is that Jedson and Sally could both theoretically use at least like reliable backups, right? So, option number one, uh, a guy worth mentioning, and a name that we've sort of been hearing about for a long time, and uh, you know, more and more, uh, it's sounding like an inevitability, is the young Sivas, 21-year-old Sivas central midfielder, uh, Kerem Atakan Keskin. I think he's an eight. 
So that's one bit of depth. You know, you, you hope by bringing him in, that means we're fairly certain that he is, you know, we're able to rely on him more than Kartal Khaira Yilmaz, for example, right? Uh, but then the other big, big bit of news, and, and he could theoretically function more as a 10, but certainly he could fill the role of an attacking playmaker in that number eight role as well. And that is former Tottenham star and uh, current Everton, uh, well, I guess we could say backup, although he's not featuring, and in part that's because he's on his way out. His name is, of course, Dele Ali. He is only 26, and he'll be 26 until April. So he'll, much of this season, you know, is, is his 26th year, uh, 26th year on this earth, right? But so, that's important to note, right? He's a man who's fallen from grace rather quickly, but it's not like he's an old man by any stretch. And any interest he has in resuscitating his career, you know, the time is obviously now-ish, right? And frankly, like, if he's as interested as is being reported in coming to Turkey and playing for Besiktas specifically, again, you know, I don't know how accurate that kind of reporting is, but you know, it's definitely, it suggests that he wants to do just that, right? He wants to regain his footing. He wants to kind of feel good about himself again. And if, if he does specifically have an interest in Besiktas, that he, he must be aware of the fans and the volume that they can make. Right, and, and the support they tend to give successful players, which would mean he has some confidence that he could succeed still. Um, but it just generally suggests that he wants a revitalization, right? If it's just money he wants, there are much easier options where he could cash in. Um, and being showing the desire to go to a kind of different culture, right, as Turkey is relative to where he's been in England his whole career suggests he would have been open to maybe China or Russia or Saudi Arabia or you know somewhere else he could have gotten a lot of money quite easily but so for him to choose this specific place right it's it, it gives good vibes I think we could say and so it, it really does seem legit you know I don't want to uh, puff smoke up anyone here uh, I, for a while it was like, is this really happening? That can't really be, can it? And increasingly it, it seems to be the case. You know, there's talk of, um, it's, a, it's a loan with an option to buy. I think we're paying him like two and a half mil or thereabouts, 2.6 or something, you know? Um, which for a star of his caliber, not really a surprise whatsoever. Um, there's gonna be an option to buy, which, surprisingly affordable and it's it's something weird to like the, the issue right now is something to do with taxes in England and like the way that his contract was set up but so somehow I don't know how this plays into it but in order to sort of account for that they're going to be doing uh, a thing where it's like a six million buyout option in January or an eight million buyout option but at the end of the year you know next summer and neither of them is, is exorbitant for a guy, you know, I think with Everton, if he'd met certain standards and played a certain amount of games and contributed in a certain way, he would have been, they would have had to compensate him up to 40 mil, compensate Tottenham, that is. So what does it all mean for us? It's, you know, it's hard to say. 
It really honestly is hard to say. Is he gonna definitely like regain his best form for us and, and make it all worthwhile? Who knows? What's very exciting is that we're not really locking ourselves into anything at all, right? We're potentially getting a world-class talent who, you know, with his mind right, you know, applying himself the way he has in his career to great effect. We could be getting a guy who, you know, we spent six or eight million for and then flip for quite a bit more down the line, you know, in a year or two. And the fact that he's only 26, right? You could be 28. And you know the way those, those Premier League sides spend money, even even the likes of like Aston Villa and Crystal Palace, right? I mean, we could make money. Um, but even beyond that, we, we're bringing a real talent, showing ourselves as a place where, where guys can come and revitalize themselves and that, that could help us financially in cases such as these. So yeah, good news all around, I think we could say. Uh, beyond that, on the back line, another huge need for us, right? We, we, we're playing Nejip in this Fatikata Grimdrick match. Uh, there's talk of Isak or Isak Hien, uh, guys, Swedish dude, uh, plays for for Jur Gardens up in Sweden. Um, and I, I'm not honestly even entirely certain that this dude is Swedish himself. I mean, he he is. Yeah, he is Swedish. There you go. Apparently he was initially a striker, but moved back to center back and then flourished in his new position. He's of Ghanaian, Ghanaian descent, or from Ghana, uh, or you know, historically his family, his ancestors are. But so, uh, yeah, he chose Sweden, it looks like, as his national side, and he's had a fairly good career with Jure Gardens thus far. Uh, he is only 23. So he's potentially, you know, I think the hope is he's like in a, uh, a Kim Min Jae or Attila Jalai type Nelson, you know, this dude for freaking Galatasaray. I mean, most of these guys are overrated, in my honest opinion. But you know, a guy who can find moderate success with the big club in Turkey and have a large resale value when we choose uh, later on down the line. Okay, whatever. Maybe. Uh, at this point, though, we really desperately need a Turkish central defender, right? This is a fairly well-known fact, especially if we want to play with like Dele Ali, Jedson, and Joseph in the midfield. So, are there any Turkish options is a question, right? Well, initially, <clears throat> speaking of Isak Hien, or whatever, however one pronounces his name, I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. There were rumors that we were like laying off and allowing Hellas Verona to, to swoop in and buy him, because they were interested. And in exchange, looking at Kodai Gunter, maybe them sort of giving us the deal we were looking for, right? Like the mill off, we wanted like to spend one and a half rather than two and a half, or whatever the rumor was on Kodai Gunter. So that would have been one easy option. Secondly, however, is that apparently the agent of Khan Ihan would be the preferable option, I think, for most, was in attendance in our, in our you know, in our home match this week against Fatih Karagumruk. So that obviously adds an element to all of this that's fairly exciting and leaves many questions to be answered. Now, there's been very little talk about that. Like, they seem to be somewhat open about the Dele Ali stuff and all that. But, like, as far as the central defender has gone, there's been no, like, official word. And you know how that is. You know, typically with our board, they do things without us knowing about it. 
so, you know, to be continued, I guess we could say. So let's talk about this match against Fatih Karagumruk. And of course, uh, we're already talking about a match that occurred on Sunday, August 21st, right? This I always release these episodes on Monday night here in New York, so Tuesday morning, right? So we can talk about all the, the, the matches and talk about the standings. Um, but so, yeah, we're talking about a couple nights ago now already at this point, or one, or you know, whatever, it's confusing, but you know what I'm saying. So, um, <clears throat> we were hosting Fatih Karagumjuk, and, it, you know, filled the stadium, great fan volume, seemed like, which you love to see, uh, especially the new guys seem to really thrive on that. Uh, our coach, as we all know, seems to always enjoy that. So yeah, we're living up to our end on that front. Uh, in the lineup, right, we had Ersin Destanolu and Go, Najib Uysal, as I sort of alluded to earlier, next to Romain Saiz, Arthur Masuaku on the left side opposite Valentin Rosier. I also alluded to this, Berkay Vardar was in the back of our midfield in front of Sali Uchan and Jedson Fernandes uh, on the wings. Uh, George Kevan Kudu on the left side. No surprise to anyone, he, he, he's played well for us thus far. Uh, opposite, Jackson Muleka on the right side. And of course, Rashid Ghazal uh, chalked up as an injury late in the week. Unfortunate. I mean, it had been obviously something that had occurred previous in, in the last match, but they didn't know if he'd be able to play or not. And then, sure enough, he wasn't. Uh, and up top, of course, Vout Veghorst. The tall <laughs> striker. Now, in our opposition, of course, 36-year-old uh, Italian Emiliano Viviano in their goal ahead of him, Ibrahim Dresevic, 25-year-old Kosovan central defender, next to Burak Beccarolo, 25-year-old Turk. On the right side, David Birashi, 28-year-old Italian. On the left side, Janer Erkin, the 33-year-old pain in the butt that we've all dealt with. Um, as a member of our team, as a member of our opposition. Uh, in their midfield, Otabek Shukurov as a defensive midfielder, 26-year-old Uzbeki. Next to 29-year-old Russian Magomed Ozduev. Uh, up ahead of them, Levent Merjan, 21-year-old German Turk. On their wings, Ahmed Musa, 29-year-old Nigerian. Opposite, Fabio Borini, the 31-year-old Italian. The very good pedigree, obviously. And up top, 30-year-old Senegalese Mbaye Dianye. Um, a man who's been around the block, right? Galatasaray, formerly. Um, it, of course, it's worth noting that our manager, Valerian Ismail, would be opposite Andrea Pirlo, the well-known Italian midfielder slash now coach of Fatih Karagumruk, and that's why you see guys like David Birashi, Borini, um, I, th I think they have another time, yes indeed, he came in, uh, Matteo Ricci, 28 year old, uh, and that is it as far as I'm aware, but yeah, so, um, you know, definitely an interesting squad for them, but so let's talk about uh, this match, shall we? So right out of the gates. Um, just fantastic all-around football. Um, 
we took the aggress like the, we were the aggressors early on. Um, although it was all about that press, so it's not necessarily it wasn't reliant on possession. I remember back in the day, people joking like when we weren't playing particularly well, they'd make fun of us. Oh, because like the defenders of Sergan or whoever, Chanel, you know, back in the day would always say, "Oh, but our possession levels were great," you know, which of course does not necessarily translate into anything because one can very effectively play without the ball. And in fact, we are becoming increasingly a great example of it. And yeah, especially in this first half, just phenomenal. And we, we just came out with energy. Uh, Ozdoev, the, the Russian midfielder, got a yellow card in the sixth minute, leading to a corner kick by Sali Uchan. Sali Uchan would find Roman Seiss on the far post, who'd head it right down perfectly into the path of Veghorst, who would try to volley it somewhat carelessly because he's right in front of the goal he has the whole thing in front of him just doesn't quite come off and it bings off the post and it's like oh no this isn't good not like one of these Seferovic right this happened with Gladys today where he he had a terrible match for them recently missing chances in a similar fashion although it wasn't like you know this was one of those ones that happened and he got there and did you know whatever I'm not talking about Gladys today. let's keep talking about us because sure enough just three minutes later, it would be Unkudu again driving up the left side, sending in a lovely ball for Sali Uchan, who sends in a tough shot, and it's a handball? Is it not a handball? How is it not a handball? Could it possibly not be a handball? Uh, my answer to that is no. I mean, I think it was Dresevich, who um, uses a, a whole lot of, they claim, shoulder. For me, it looks like a little bit of elbow, or just straight up like that upper arm. Uh, I don't understand how there's not a, a handball card called here. Somehow it isn't. Of course. Uh, and then another post by Jackson Muleka on another nice cross. Um, but it's fine. Don't worry, because in the 16th minute, we're bringing the ball up on a lovely counter. Somehow it's counted as the 18th. I don't know how, but. Uh, Valentin Rosier with just an A-plus cross onto the head of Van Veghorst who dives in and puts a lot of power on it just drives it into the back of the net. Goal, one to nil. Uh, Van Veghorst celebrates with the, the eagle claw and uh, I think it is his newborn daughter whose name is Dinia or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it or that, if that's even what it is but congratulations to him of course and just you know, you love to see the fans interacting with him well and, and everything going smoothly. Uh, he's had a number of assists already, two in, in our previous matches. Uh, but so he gets the goal and yeah, just celebrations. Everyone's thrilled. Stadium's rocking. Um, and yeah, we kept going. <clears throat> Sally, outside of the box in the 20th minute, sends in a shot, A++++, just driving in with curl. Viviano does incredibly well to get onto it, and even then he can just steer it onto the post and it bounces out rather than in. I mean, just a lot of bad luck because he did everything right by him. I mean, Sally Uchan, and of course Viviano, great save as well. Uh, but so yeah, we're just keeping it going. We're just not, we're not giving them a moment's rest. I haven't mentioned a single highlight for Fatih Karagumruk, and that's for good reason. There weren't any. 30th minute, Shukudov forces a save from deep. Like this was all they could get was a shot from way out. Ersin, equal to it. Quite equal to it. He did really well. And then, 
the 33rd minute. Again, it's counted as the 35th. I don't understand how they always like add up a minute there, but maybe they count it like from when they start up the next goal or the next, you know, when the, after the after the goal. But uh, 33rd minute, Rosie is bringing the ball up, kind of pauses, hands it off, if you will, to Sally Uchan, who does a little spin, kind of nice, but maybe it seems unnecessary, but maybe it wasn't because it puts him in position to use his left foot, which he does to devastating effect, putting the ball perfectly in the path of Georges Kervin and Kudu, who does quite well to control it in the direction that he's moving, and then just send in a ripper of a shot into the low back of corner of a far post of the net, rather not post, right? And it's a goal, two to nil, just absolutely stunning football at this point for Besiktas. Capping off what's been a fantastic half, Almost score again, right before the half. Uh, Unkudu again, finding Rosier at the edge of the box, far end of the box. He doesn't quite get onto it. If he gets any bit of his foot on it, he can probably put it into the back of the net or, or cross it back into the center for an easy goal. Sadly, it doesn't happen. We go into the half, up two to nil, but feeling fantastic, I think we can say. In the 40th minute, Muleka got himself the yellow card. 42nd, Berkai Vardar, and he was playing recklessly. He needed to come out, it seemed. He could have easily gotten his second yellow card, not like not far thereafter. Um, Mbaye Diagne gets his instead. That in the 43rd. And so the one substitution made at the half is Berkai Vardar coming off. He had a reckless, clumsy first half, frankly. So I don't think anyone was too shocked. It was a good decision by coach Ismail. And he brings on Kartal Kaida Yilmaz. And yeah, again, like we come out looking good. 49th minute, a corner kick from Sally. Finds Jackson Muleka. And bang, he heads it in just perfectly. Perfect run from him. Uh, and apparently the, the assist is credited to Masuaku. I thought it was Sally Uchan on the assist, but no. It's Arthur Masuaku. Um, Sally assisted the Georges Kevin and Kudu goal the 35th minute, as I mentioned, with that beautiful pass off his left foot. Valentin Rosier assisting the Vout Veghorst goal, our first, and Masuaku assisting Jackson Muleko uh, in the 50th minute. So that's interesting. I didn't know he took the corner, or maybe he headed it, but I don't think so. I think it was a clean, just like, lovely cross into the path of Muleko making a good run, front post, buries it into the back of the net, high, past the keeper. Three to nil in the 50th minute. And yeah, we're feeling good. We're feeling great even. Uh, but, of course, as you'd expect, in the 52nd minute, a corner kick, Donna Erkin finds Diagne in the box. Just, I don't know how, like, he's sort of surrounded, but the ball just drops right to him. He slots in with relative ease. Not really anyone's fault. Uh, as far as like Ersin anyway, uh, I don't know if a defender was poorly placed or I, you know, I don't know how it drops at Diania. Maybe it's just a really, and we all know John Erkin has that in him. Like one in 30 crosses in a match will, will just be perfect while the other 29 are like just pissing you off to no end. But um, that's not our problem <laughs> anymore. So yeah, they're back in it sort of. Three to one. Uh, we still, again, like we're, we're playing the best football of the season in this half and it's carried on to the second even despite this goal 
I think till about the 60th minute that's the case. Uh, in the 63rd minute changes are made. Um, Jimmy Durmaz on for Levent Merjan. Ebrim Akali on for Ahmed Musa. Um, this is right after, by the way. And so the last sort of flourish, the cap on our just fantastic spells. Maybe it was the 63rd minute. Jackson Mulaka taking it up the right side. Um, finds Vlad Vekhorst in the middle. Perfectly, in fact, with a cross. And Vekhorst slots it into the back of the net. Except that Vekhorst is like one foot. Not even. Maybe, uh... Like, ha I don't know. Six inches offside. Half a foot. Half of his foot, rather. Not, not the metric unit or anything. Uh, and that's not even... Whatever. You know what I'm saying, folks. Stumbling over uh, math terminology. But... Yeah, the, the goals in count, he's just barely offsides, but it's fine. Uh, we think we've pretty much got this, even despite having given up that goal. And then things turn, and the reason things turn, in my opinion, is, I think many agree, on the one hand, as I said, right, they bring on Jimmy Durmaz and Avery Macaulay, so they have legs, fresh legs, if you will, and we don't make any subs. And of course, where we really need to be making subs is in the center of our midfield. Sally Uchan and Jedson are just exhausted at this point. Although, to Jedson's defense, he plays his best football of, of his short tenure with us in the second half, despite being tired. So perhaps it's Sally who clearly needs to come out. Maybe someone with a little more defensive mentality as well for him, just to kind of keep things steady. Certainly, I think Nkudu could come off, even though he's playing quite well in this match, to be frank. Uh, just to keep him healthy, right? We know his ability to be injured. Let's see, yeah, fatigue is, has set in, and suddenly they're playing with a little bit more energy, and they're they're getting half chances, not real ones, honestly. Um, and it actually, it, it's not, again, we kind of dead the game to fairly decent effect until in the 83rd minute, Colin Kazim Richards comes on for Fabio Borini. Oh, excuse me. Dropping things. Um, interesting to see Colin Kazim Richards in this league still. Bat or back, rather. Uh, and Matteo Ricci comes on for Magomed Ozdoev, who'd already garnered a yellow card earlier in the match. Sally Uchan, by the way, got a yellow card in the 67th minute. Not sure I remember to mention that. Um, but so, yeah, you know, despite them. Seeming to turn the match for the most part. No real chances for them, and we're sort of past the 80 minute mark. But then, boom, in the 84th minute, they almost make it 3 to 2. Um, it's John Air again with a cross. Erson kind of tries to paw it over, but fails, and it drops into the path of Matteo Ricci, who just entered the match. Ricci sends it in again. He's just fresh into this match. Perhaps someone who hadn't just entered would have done better in this scenario, having been more, you know, attuned to the pace of the match and all that. But Ricci sends a shot right back at Erickson, basically. He saves it, I mean, well, you know, and, and gets a knee on it and kind of forces it out so there's not another opportunity for them. But uh, certainly at that point, they could make it three to two. And there, you know, we've, we've seen this happen already once. But instead, in the 89th minute, Jetson dribbling up again and he's done this very well all season but in the second half especially I think 
he ends up running the most for 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 Besiktas, for out of anyone, in fact, in this match. Um, and it's all in the second half where he he really exerts himself, holds the ball well when we need to dead the game, and so he's very effective in this regard and, and very important in in keeping them at one goal, even though it could have been two at that point. But uh, sure enough, we're rewarded for our patience and our generally solid defending in the 89th minute when Jed Son again um, brings it up. Nice little pass, lovely pass to Kartal Kaida Yilmaz out wide, who sends in a great one-touch, one-time cross low into the path of Valentin Ozier, who's running into the box. A uh, couple steps, slides it to the, just perfectly past the keeper into the back of the net low. And we have secured this sucker four to one. Jenna Erkin gets a yellow card in the 92nd minute. Very lazy, um, poor tackle. You hate to see it, but he's a jerk, you know, it's not really a shocker. Uh, Umut Merash enters in the 93rd minute for Arthur Masuaku, as well as Jenk Tosin for Vout Veghorst. And I think a lot of people had been clamoring for him to make ch changes prior to this. Uh, you know, perhaps stubborn on the part of Valerius Mal, no doubt stubborn. Um, I was calling for, for included to come out in the like, 65th minute, as I recall. Uh, and again, not because he necessarily needed to come out, fitness-wise, just because I wanted to make sure he stayed healthy. He's been so vital for us up till now, in this early, young season. But so, yeah, you know, just fantastic stuff. Obviously, the, the match is over about a minute after Jank Tosin and Umut Medash enter the match. Uh, so that's rough for them, but again, I, you know, it, it is what it is. We win four to one. Not any major complaints, except for the stubborn refusal to put in sub. And again, to his defense, I think the real kind of criminal in all of this, the the ones who need to be held culpable, is the board, right? Because we didn't have after Kartal Kaila Yilmaz comes in at the half, we have no central midfielders on the bench. Zero, zero. So that's not good. They should have at least brought in this like Keskin game, you know, the, the Sivas kid um, before the match, you know, just to make sure we had someone to bring in should we need one, and we did. So, you know, that was unfortunate. But <clears throat> we survived it, no injuries, uh, we win big. And I think we have some confidence now to build on, you know, that, especially those first, you know, 63 minutes, maybe 65, we'll round up. We're fantastic, you know, the best football we've seen all season uh, since maybe, you know, the friendly against Mines, perhaps. And so, yeah, just absolutely great stuff. I suppose we got to talk about stats, right? Um, first of all. Quite shockingly, they had possession now. I mean, it's not that shocking. They had 53% to our 47. And given that they're down by three goals for most of the match, or, you know, let's say two goals for most of the match, but three goals for much of it. Uh, yeah, it makes sense that they'd be the ones holding more of the ball, trying to press, trying to get back into this game with some desperation. Again, a strength of ours now is the ability to sit back and then hit, hit on the counter play without the ball well, effectively, and that bears out with the XG. Besiktas won that battle 2.47 to their 0 0.85. Uh, 19 shots to their 7, but only 5 big chances to their 2, only 5. It's actually quite a few. 
Three big chances missed, however, and they missed one. They won the passing game with 355 completed to our 316, although we were more efficient with our passes at an completing them at an 84% rate to their 82%. We committed 19 fouls to their seven, which for me is absurd. This ref was terrible. Another terrible ref, you know, and that's one of the crappy things about being a Besiktas fan is you have to not just beat your opponent, but you have to kind of beat the ref too, every single time. Uh, it's worth mentioning that of our 19 shots, eight were on target on the, for them, three of their seven. So, you know, just even though we're not holding the ball a lot, we are getting a lot of quality opportunities now. 14 shots inside the box. Just great stuff. Um, I, it's worth mentioning we each got three yellow cards despite us being called for 17, or sorry, what was it? I think it was 17 fouls, right? Um, yeah, 19 fouls, rather, sorry, and they, they committed seven. So, we've got three cards, which speaks to how uh, violent they were in those seven fouls, but they should have been called for quite a few more. Um, it was really a bad, a poorly refereed match, as you'd expect. Now, uh, individual players. Who would I give my man of the match to? Let's talk about the top 10. Um, you know, I like to talk about all the guys rated above a seven, all the guys who are considered to have been, who are considered statistically to have played well. Uh, the best player was Valentin Rosier. You know, I think a goal and an assist will do that for you. Plus, solid defending and passing all around. Masuaku. Next up, which is interesting, and assist for him, of course. Sally Uchan, next. No surprises there either. Lovely play from him. Then Vout Veghorst, also no surprises. Then Georges Cavan and Kudu, shouldn't be any surprises there. Then Jackson Muleka, and again, right, all of these guys have scored and or assisted. Uh, then Kartal Kaida Yilmaz, who also had an assist, right, that last goal by Rosier was assisted by him. Then Jetson Fernandes, which is now you're getting the guy who's not getting sort of fake points, uh, you know, because he didn't have any any flashy stats, but he's still rated very highly at 7.49. Then Fabio Borini and Romain Saiz rounds out the top 10. Sally Dursun and Baye Dianye uh, both also sort of just barely squeaked over a 7 rating. Nejib Usal just under with a 6.94. But so yeah, I mean, who would your man of the match be? Of course, you could easily point to Valentin Rosier, who had a goal and an assist and three shots, and he created a big chance. Uh, you know, he he was obviously a, a fantastic performer. You could also point to, uh, of course, Masuaku, Sali Uchan. You know, just fantastic stuff all around. He, he a goal was robbed from him with that lovely shot from outside. Not to mention the handball, but whatever. About Veghorst, obviously, a goal scorer. Uh, maybe not like a man of the match performance from him, necessarily, although he's always such a valuable contributor, getting all over the pitch. He ran the second most after Jetson. Then you have Nkudu, of course, who was just a fantastic contributor. This So far this season, maybe our most valuable, next to perhaps Sally Uchan, surprisingly. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm going to go with the guy who actually didn't get the flashy stats, and I'll talk about why. So, Jedson Fernandes, only one shot, 
right? You'd think that's not too flashy, but he had two out of two dribbles, 100% rate of success there. One accurate long ball, 100% there, out of one out of one. He was only dispossessed three times despite having 51 touches, um, which, you know, he was just kind of moving all around the pitch and not losing the ball whatsoever. And here's where I was especially happy with his performance in this match. 28 out of 32 accurate passes, 88% rate there. Uh, he created a chance, so his passing was phenomenal, and that's been a bit of a problem. He's he's had that, you know, the ball stuck to his foot, you know, he's fantastic on the ball. And he's been able to bring the ball from the back, upfield, with ease and with pace uh, and with flair. Uh, but he's kind of been lacking with that final touch. And in this match, that was not the case. Only four errant passes out of 32. Fantastic. Um, he really had a, just an amazing game, and I think an underspoken. You know, I think a lot of people won't. It won't be on the radar because of the flashy performances that a number of guys had, and, and just the, 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 the sheer ferocity that, that like Nkudu uh, scored with. You know, or, you know, just everyone brought so much positive energy in that first half. But. Jedson, our 23-year-old Portuguese midfielder, is quietly settling in to the center of our midfield. And he could be that sort of missing piece that, you know, the, the, the thing about Jedson, which I love so much, you know, and, and ever since, uh, like, Tolgai Arslan, right? And, like, all these characters, I mean, we could, we could go further back, probably, but my memory's not so sharp these days. But, you know, dating quite a ways back, Ozan has, you know, he obviously peaked at a point and was fantastic, but he, this died out relatively quickly. Um, just so many guys in that position, in the, middle of, in the middle of our team, in the middle of our midfield, ghosted for long stretches. And with Jedzone, that's just never happening. Even when he's tired, clearly, he's out there, you know, giving his last breath to sort of holding the ball and, and you know, being a pain in our opponent's butt with possession, you know, just keeping them out of a match. And so, yeah, I mean, he could kind of quietly but devastatingly be one of our key contributors when all things are said and done. And, and of course, I'm being a little sort of slick with it, you know, trying to trying to find someone under the radar. But I really do feel like he he's at least needs to be in the conversation for man of the match. And just to be a, a sneaky guy, I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> so that's it for this match. A lovely 4-1 to one victory. And where does that leave us? Well, 7 points in 3 matches, 2 wins, 1 draw, a plus 4 goal differential. Leaves us in 3rd place, though tied in 1st on 7 points, just behind on goal differential. And that's because Fener has had some luck, we could say. A lot of cards handed out, right? 6-0 against Kasim Pasha was a big one. They won 4-2 against Adana Demir today. So, you know, we have, they have the same record, two wins and a draw. And they've honestly not looked particularly excellent, but they've been given a lot of help by refs, which, you know, that means something. Because they maybe spent the most on refs this year, or whatever it is. Uh, right also ahead of us is Bashakshi here, 
and uh, they don't they're only on a plus six gold differential right only you know, two uh, two better than us but what's interesting is they've yet to allow a goal two wins in a draw of course as well but they beat Kaiseri two to nil they drew Konya nil to nil uh, on the road that's of note and they beat Kasim Pasha four to nil so they've yet to be scored on which is fairly interesting Konya, of course, is a formidable opponent in Konya. With that said, they're not scoring at all this year. So perhaps, you know, they haven't... Uh, by they, I mean, Bashakshir has yet to be really tested in that regard. But yeah, then it's us in third. Um, Gaziantep also has seven points, plus two goal differential. Uh, and then you have a bunch of teams with six points. Antalya Spor, Adana Demir, Giresun, Galatasaray... And Trabzon, uh, who's a ninth, because they are on a zero goal differential. They've, they've been fairly ugly this season, if we're all going to be honest about it. Gotten quite lucky. And then you have Konya, you know, the, the, the five pointers are Konya and Alanya in 10th and 11th. Uh, in relegation, you've got Kasim Pasha, who has yet to score and have allowed 11 goals. Zero points, of course. Istanbulspor, who are also yet to score and have allowed seven goals. And then Fatih Karagumruk, who have only played twice in their defense. Same goes for Hatay, which is interesting, and Ankara Guju. So a number of teams have had bye weeks. Um, as for Fatih Karagumruk, you know, they're at a negative five and Hatay is at a negative two. Uh, you'd expect both of them to potentially pass Umrania and maybe An Ankara Guju. Sivas has come out quite weak, which is good news for us, as a matter of fact. Which, like, I suppose, let's, let's talk about it. Our next match is this coming Monday, August 29th. Again, at 2.45, a late start time, 2.45 p.m. here in New York City. Check your local listings. I believe that's 9.45 p.m. locally uh, in, in Turkey. We are at home again against Sivas. Which is interesting. Two home games in a row. I'm not complaining. Um, but yeah, you know, Alani on the road is going to be a toughie. So I feel like we've earned it. <laughs> but yeah, so we have uh, Sivas um, at home, 2:45 Monday, August 29th. The following weekend, the following weekend, we'll play Ankara Guju, then Basakshir here, which should be our first real challenge. Sunday, September 11th. That said, knock on wood. Uh, as far as Sivas and Ankara Guju not being a challenge, they may well be, right? This is the Turkish Super League. Anything can happen. Uh, has been proven time and time again. Uh, but yeah, a great start for Besiktas, no doubt about that. Uh, I think we have a lot to be excited about. Should be some fun transfer news going into, uh, you know, prior to this upcoming match against Sivas. So maybe uh, bonus content incoming if, if we if we get like a Dele Ali or something where Khan can snag an interview and, and do his thing in that regard. But either way, we'll of course be back um, at the very least by this time next week to talk about Besiktas Sivas. So before then, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast, one word. Uh, and of course, let's go, Besiktas! Woo! And for the Ismail haters, 
it's been a rough time for you folks, perhaps. Although, still some stuff to criticize, of course. VAD subs, but let's enjoy this. That was a good win. We're looking good. Good pressing football. Lots of look forward to. I'm excited. Hopefully we beat Siva. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.